Welcome to Rex Factor! This week, Anne Neville! With your hosts, Graham Duke and Ali Quinn. Hello. Hello. And welcome to Rex Factor, where we are reviewing all the Queen and Prince Consorts of England, from Elswith to Prince Philip. And today, we're going to be reviewing the consort of Richard III, Anne Neville. Yep. Good. If you'd like to hear more of us, you can join the Privy Council by uh, supporting us on www.patreon.com forward slash Rex Factor and get access to over 100 bonus episodes. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram, where we are at Rex Factor Pod. Like the Rex Factor Podcast Facebook page and email us at rexfactorpodcast at hotmail.com. Perfect. Biography! Anne Neville was born on the 11th of June. What's the date today? 13th. Oh, my good. Oh, no. Nearly. Oh. <laughs> Anne Neville was born on the 11th of June, 1456, at Warwick Castle. Ooh. Mm. Anne Neville is the daughter of uh, Lady Anne Beauchamp, who is the uh, Countess of Warwick in her own right, and uh, one of the most powerful men in England, Richard Neville, the Earl of Warwick, better known as Warwick the Kingmaker. No way. Yes, you've heard of him. I've heard, yeah, big time. Mm. He's a player. Uh, so the Neville family, descended from uh, Edward III, they've got a bit of royalness in there, but it's a bit delineated by now. Mm. Um, but they're able to trace their roots um, back to and indeed beyond the Norman Conquest. They're actually able to go back to Saxon. Ability. Oh, that's good. Um, so the Neville family is one of the most powerful in northern England. That's no longer a thing, though, is it? Uh, before being Saxon might have counted against you unless you were in the... Oh, yeah, no, no, no. no. This is just now, oh, look how old we are. It's mm. like heritage thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Now, despite this preeminence of her family, and of course the fact that she becomes Queen of England, we know surprisingly little about Anne Neville. Mm. Um, as a biographer, Michael Hicks puts it in a, dare I say, slightly underwhelming introduction in terms of gearing us up for the book. Mm. Anne Neville is the most obscure of England's post-conquest queens, and many would argue, deservedly so. <laughs> when my publisher proposed a book on Anne Neville, I said, with regret, that it was impossible. None of her own records survive. Almost no independent actions can be identified. Why should historians bother with a consort who appears to have done nothing independently or of note and is frankly unknown? Next week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nevertheless, please do keep reading for the next 300 pages. <laughs> well, we're not going to let that put us off. We're going to try and uh, construct uh, a life out of what we do know, because despite being an obscure figure, she was at the centre of some of the major events of the Walls of the Roses. Yeah. So we have obviously the Lancastrian king, Henry VI, mental health problems, which see the Duke of York battling for dominance with Queen Margaret of Anjou. Warwick her dad? The kingmaker, very much part of that process. Oh, no, Warwick's her dad, not Warwick's Duke of York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, now, although born at Warwick, Anne actually spends her first five years in Calais uh, when her father was appointed captain of the garrison. Who was the fellow that was lieutenant, lieutenant last time? Lieutenant. That was Richard Woodville, who was Elizabeth Woodville's father. So this is after that? Yes, uh, different times, mm. obviously, as the power struggles change mm. who is in charge of key garrisons. Um, but so that would have brought Anne and her older sister Isabel with Warwick. He brings his whole family to okay. Calais with him. So she's grown up, actually, for the first few years in Calais. Uh, so she probably learned French, maybe a bit of Flemish as well. Mm. Flemish Beautiful. as well. Uh, and grows up away from the conflict in England. So she wouldn't actually have seen 
Mm. And it, well, obviously she wouldn't have been at the battlefield anyway, but she is kind of separate from it for the first few years. Um, it all reached a peak, though, in 1460 to 1461. So uh, the Duke of York and Anne's grandfather, the Earl of Salisbury, were killed mm. at the end of the year. Uh, but then the following year, Warwick, the kingmaker, helps uh, York's son, Edward, become King Edward IV. Yep. So Henry VI has been overthrown. And once Edward is properly king after the Battle of Towton, that's when Anne would have come back to England. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so at this point, from her perspective, everything's been lovely in Calais, and now her father is this basically all-powerful chap who pretty much runs the country. Yeah. Because at this point, Edward IV is he's a teenage king, hedonistic, not so interested in all the finer details of governing. Warwick is basically running the show. Yeah. Edward IV is also a bachelor, which probably ex- partly explains why Anne doesn't go into... Uh, like the Queen's household, because for the first few years, there is no Queen's household. Why? Because Edward doesn't marry Elizabeth Woodfall until 1464. Oh! So there's no yeah. Queen's household for her to go into. And then when Edward does marry to Elizabeth Woodville, Warwick somewhat disapproves of the match. And, and he actually wouldn't be in there. Probably didn't mm. want his daughters to associate mm. with her. Um, so because of that, Anne Neville and her sister grow up at home with Warwick and mum. The entire time, they don't get shipped off to another noble's family as tradition. They're actually this would probably be um, the, that bit in an, a um, uh, what's the, who are the sisters Bronte sisters where they pine to be at court and all that mm. sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah. There's a growing estrangement between Warwick and Edward IV, so it continues mm. after that marriage, and it reaches its peak when Edward refuses to approve a um, marriage between Anne's older sister Isabel and Edward's own brother. Uh, George, the Duke of Clarence. I thought that's what he wanted. No, Edward refuses it. Warwick wants it, oh, but the king says mm. no. So at that point, Warwick uh, decides that he's had enough because mm. he doesn't have any sons. So Isabel and Anne are all that he's got in terms of dynastically. So if he can't secure them grand marriages uh, suitable to his ambitions, then... He's stuffed. So once Edward has refused that match, Warwick decides enough is enough. So in 1469, Warwick allies with the Duke of Clarence, against Edward IV. Um, so they head off the whole family to Calais, mm. and Clarence marries Anne's older sister, Isabel. So okay. the king had said no. It happens anyway. They do it anyway. Oh my goodness. Uh, they come back, rebel, and Edward is imprisoned by mm. Warwick. Mm-hmm. Uh, success was short-lived, though. Warwick couldn't rule effectively without the king, so he was forced to release him. Um, so Anne probably had stayed in Calais, for the rebellion, but she now comes back. So at that Christmas court uh, in 1469, there's a lot of sort of public show of reconciliation and unity. Really? Yeah. That was the... So this is where we're saying last episode, they knew one of them was going to get it. They knew at some point it was all going to blow off again, but initially they're all pretending to be happy, clappy friends again. Imagine that, the the, uh, humble pie that'd have to be swallowed by Edward to do that. But Anne Warwick as well, I suppose. They're both in this awkward stage. So, I mean, Anne at this point uh, is still only, uh, what year is it? 13 years old. Mm. So, you know, probably will be picking up on this stuff. She will now come to court. She will maybe be aware of these tensions. Yeah. Um, and indeed, as we said, things would have to blow up again. So Warwick and Cla- uh, Warwick and Clarence try another rebellion the following year in 1470. Uh, that fails, so they are forced to flee into exile. So Warwick gathers the whole family up, so okay. Anne, Isabel, wife, um, and they try to get to Calais, but he's refused entry. The garrison don't let him in, despite his previous service as their captain. Because Edward is the legitimate king, and he's... Mm. His, is that because his his claim is getting... Uh, 
like eroded away this, the legitimacy of it when Edward keeps getting is being put back and he's <laughs> he you know there's no alternative there mm. it might be just that they see the way the wind's blowing yeah and obviously Warwick is relying on their personal loyalty to him right. but obviously it's reached a, a limit yeah with the, the rebellion um, and they don't actually have anywhere to go so they are just at sea for a while trying to find someone to take them in uh, and they draw some terrible storms and uh, Isabel goes into labour at sea um, and because they'd had to flee there would have been few women on hand to attend her so Anne at 13 almost certainly would have been part of that process who's Isabel? Isabel is Anne's older sister that's married Clarence I think this is who I th- I kept talking about giving birth at sea and I kept thinking it was Mary of Anjou no it's it's Isabel oh well, oh, well okay and Isabel isn't this person anyway Isabel is the older sister of, of this Anne person. Neville, who is this person. Who gave birth, who helped <clears throat> give birth yeah, to... Yeah, so Anne almost certainly would have been on hand helping Isabel to get birth, um, give birth. Tragically, the child dies. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be so scarring, isn't it, as an mm. experience? Uh, they were eventually welcomed to the French court by uh, the scheming King Louis XI, and he seeks to bring about an alliance between Warwick mm. and the ex-Lancastrian queen, Margaret of Anjou. Good idea. Good idea, though they had been arch-rivals beforehand. It took 15 days to convince Margaret to go Mm. along with this alliance. But Anne was central to the final agreement. King Louis received them with kindness, and, in the end, they were reconciled with Queen Margaret and her son, Prince Edward, and promised henceforth fruitfully to support their cause and the cause of King Henry. A marriage contract was made between the prince and Lady Anne, the Earl of Warwick's younger daughter. Oh, there she is. There she is. So Anne, now 14 years old, is going to marry the son of Margaret of Anjou, 17-year-old Prince Edward, who's said to be a googly, girlish-looking and well-featured young man. Oh, lovely. Uh, So they're formally betrothed in uh, Anjou's Cathedral in July 1470, with Warwick, Margaret and Louis making formal oaths of allegiance to each other. Warwick then returns with uh, a largely French army to England, Mm. puts Henry VI back on the throne... Uh, and leaves Anne, technically with her mother uh, and sister as well, but essentially now in the control of Margaret of Anjou. This is when she, this is... He, he, okay, so Henry's back on the throne. Yeah, Henry's back on the throne, but Margaret, Edward and Anne are all still in France waiting to come to England. A bit awkward potentially for Anne, given that uh, not only has Margaret of Anjou been the enemy for the last oh, yeah. decade, but Warwick had spent most of that last decade accusing Margaret of uh, infidelity. Ah. And suggesting that her now husband wasn't actually the legitimate prince. So, but so Anne can maybe see that for what it's worth. For its indeed, yeah. from Anne's perspective, um, once they receive papal dispensation for the marriage, they are married at Amboise in uh, December. After which Anne is now officially recognised as the Princess of Wales and in line to be Queen of England. Nice. Mm. Uh, she's now treated with great honour. Uh, Louis XI holds a grand reception in Paris in honour of the newlyweds. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, of course, it's not quite as simple as that, because mm. Edward IV is still at large. Um, they were delayed coming to England for several months by storms, um, but eventually in April of 1471, Anne, her mother, mother-in-law, Margaret, and new husband do get to leave for England. Uh, Prince Edward is going to head the new government because Henry VI is not really mentally fit to be king anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and Anne, no doubt, was going to play a central role in establishing this new young Lancastrian court. Yeah. Um, and, of course, she's the sort of traditionally Yorkist element to Prince Edward's Lancastrian dynasty. Perfect. Perfect, exactly. 
Unfortunately, on the day that they landed, literally the day that they landed back in England at Weymouth, uh, they discovered that Edward IV had got back before them, and that day had killed the Earl of Warwick in the Battle of Barnet. Blimey. Yeah, I forget that he wasn't at Tewkesbury. I always think that that was a... Mm. Might have fared differently. Now, Anne's mother was in a separate ship, and storms, again, had sort of separated them. So Anne's mother landed somewhere near Portsmouth, and when she heard the news, she decided just to go straight to Bewley Abbey and seek sanctuary. Mm, So she, Well, good call for her personally, but Mm. she's basically left her daughter Anne to her own fate. With Margaret of Anjou. Why didn't she take Anne with her? Well, because they were in separate boats and they were separated, so Anne's in Weymouth... um, Mm. Her mother's in Portsmouth. But even so, she, you know, Anne's found out that her father's dead. Yep. Her mother's just decided to cash her chips yeah. in and go into sanctuary. Tough. Anne, instead, is uh, remains with the Lancastrian army as Margaret of Anjou and Prince Edward try to make for Jasper Tudor, their ally in Wales, oh, yeah. to team up and yeah. take on Edward IV. Unfortunately for them, Edward IV and the Yorkist army catch up with them mm. at Tewkesbury, and in the ensuing battle, Edward IV is victorious, and Anne's husband, Prince Edward, is killed, either during or just after the battle. Uh, and she is just watching this battle? She's probably not literally watching the battle, but Anne and Margaret of Anjou um, are with the royal party, so they've probably been waiting for the result in a nearby church or abbey oh, or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but so in the space of a month, Anne's father and husband have both been killed in battle. So she flees with Margaret from the battle, or from battle adjacent, but they're soon captured and brought back to Edward. Uh, Margaret gets sent off to the Tower of London and Henry VI is put to sleep. Yeah. Uh, But Anne is pardoned after submitting to Edward and probably then placed into Clarence's custody. Okay. So in some ways, good news, because she is reunited with her sister. Because Isabel is is married to Clarence. Clarence, we should say, um, as ever switches sides when he sees which way the wind is blowing. So Clarence betrays Warwick and indeed Prince Edward and returns to Edward IV. And he's, he's the Malmsey wine? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so it's perhaps a relief at first that she's back with her sister and that she's not going to face any serious consequences for having married the Lancastrian prince, but her position is now very uncertain. As we said, Clarence has basically betrayed her husband. Yeah. We don't know what she felt about that marriage and how keen or not keen or whatever she was about having to marry Margaret's son. But nevertheless, yeah. uh, Clarence has, you could say, betrayed her as part of that. Princess of Wales, but of course, due to the dispute, Edward IV would not acknowledge that she was actually ever Princess yeah. of Wales. So she doesn't have any titles or lands or whatever to receive mm-hmm. in dower. Now, she is technically co-heir to the vast Neville estates as the daughter of the Earl of Warwick, with her sister Isabel. But Clarence, as an ambitious man, is determined to keep all of these to himself, given that he's married to the older sister. Yeah. And in fact, even Isabel's attitude, we don't know how supportive she was to Anne, because Warwick's original plan had been that Clarence would be the new king, and Mm. thus Isabel would be queen. Mm. So Anne had kind of leapfrogged her older sister by marrying Prince Edward. Oh, yeah. So... What is that dynamic? Yeah. And does Isabel now want to do everything she can for Anne, or does she, like Clarence, think, well, I'll tell you what, she's not getting any of this money? Oh, well, that would be good to know, wouldn't it? Mm. So, was Anne rescued by Clarence here, or was he effectively imprisoning her? Oh, God, and we've got no idea what she thought herself. 
Well, I think we do have an idea, not by her words, but by her actions, because thankfully for Anne, there was uh, the chance of salvation in form of the one man who had sufficient status to, char- uh, to challenge Clarence, that being the third of the York brothers, Richard, Duke of Gloucester. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Richard and Anne may actually have uh, had a childhood attachment because Richard, as was the habit with young nobles, would go up into other households. Uh, Richard was part of Warwick's household from 1465. Oh, really? So he spent his formative years in the household of Warwick the Kingmaker. And as we said, Anne Neville stayed in uh, her own household. So they presumably would have known each other. Yeah, definitely. Surely. I mean, obviously, they're doing different things. Um, there's only one recorded event where we absolutely know that they are in the same on the same table <laughs> at the yeah, same but time. They've but gone to the, even if it's them <clears> going <throat> to the same school, like say there's a thousand people or something. Yeah, and you're two big fish, you'd know who they were. Yeah, so we don't have any details of interactions, but they surely uh, knew each other. Um, there's a little bit of an age gap. He's four years older than her, which isn't huge at this, uh, you know, sort of thirties, twenties. But I guess nine to thirteen is maybe. Yeah. A bit more. But even so, they must have known each other. Whether they were in love at that age, perhaps unlikely, but it's not unreasonable to think that they may have had a friendly attachment. So Richard the Third, as he ends up, was in mm. York's household. Warwick's. Warwick, Warwick's household. Mm. Only during the good days. Uh, well, actually, technically, this is the time of tensions, but before, obviously, the actual rebellions right. start. Gosh. But so it's interesting the fact that Clarence is the one that betrays Edward, but Richard stays loyal to Edward, even though he'd been in Warwick's household for yeah. years. So whether or not they have a strong affection for each other, they do at the very least know each other. Mm. Um, and Richard is determined after Tewkesbury that he is going to marry Anne Neville. Right. right. Perhaps because of this previous uh, affection, more likely because he was also attracted to that vast inheritance that Anne potentially offered. Oh, right, not for any, I mean, power, but not for any position. It's not because he'll then become, he will, he'll become Duke of Neville? What's it called? Duke of Norfolk? <laughs> what is it? I just, how many place names do I have to say before I get to, <laughs> I get to the right one? But he'll then... There are, ti- there are lands and there are titles. But uh, not kinging. Not kinging. He, he's no closer to being king by marrying Anne Neville, but he is significantly wealthier and landier. Yeah, it doesn't sort of line him up to say, well, Anne Neville is related to this person, so sort of I could be king. I mean, he's the king's brother, so... He's already got that bit covered. Yeah. yeah. Basically, Warwick owns huge tracts of lands in the Midlands and the North, and, you know, the Earldom of Salisbury, the Earldom of Warwick, there are lots of titles and positions and etc. which... Come with this person that he thinks is Mm. hot. But Clarence wants all of it for himself. If Richard marries Anne, he is going to say... Let's go halfsies. So there's brotherly rivalry, big time. Well, absolutely, because Clarence goes out of his way to try and stop the marriage taking place. He had the girl hidden away so that his brother would not know where she was since he feared a division of the inheritance. He wanted it to come to himself alone by right of his wife rather than to share it with someone else. The Duke of Gloucester, however, was so much the more astute that having discovered the girl dressed as a kitchen maid in London, he had her moved into sanctuary in St. Martin's. Right. So basically, Clarence tries to hide Anne Neville so that Richard can't find her. Is she actually doing a job as a kitchen maid somewhere? It's not entirely clear what the practical um, consequences of this act are, how far in in depth she had to go. Because she'll stand out like a sore thumb if she's saying... 
uh, on which side does the caviar plate go? <laughs> I say, just spill the broth over there. <laughs> you know, it's not going to work. Yeah. Yeah, she's, be not like that. she's not qualified for the job. Channel, what was it? Hel- hiding something, that Channel 4 show, faking it. Maybe it's that um, when Clarence hears that Richard's coming round, he just bundles her into the kitchen and sticks the hat on her. Yeah. And it's like, no, no, not here. But she's there with her, with her hat on. <laughs> so, looking really confused about this broth. <laughs> uh, the fact that Richard is said to have moved her into sanctuary suggests that this isn't just another form of kidnapping. So it's not that Clarence is trying to keep her in his house other than Richard's mm. like, yoink, I'll have this. He's put her somewhere safe rather than just mm. claiming her as such. Um, and it, So Anne is generally placed into safety, but almost certainly, we think, acting of her own volition. We think that she probably wants his marriage as much as Richard because she wants her inheritance. Yeah, Clarence is denying her that. The only man, really, that can help her get it mm. is Richard. It's the other royal brother. Uh, the timing is uncertain, but they were married in secret at some point, probably in the spring of 1472. God, these brothers got a habit of that. I know, these secret marriages. In this case, secret so that Clarence couldn't stop it happening. Was this, uh, this is after the Woodville marriage? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. After the Woodville marriage, after Warwick's death. Yeah. So this is the sort of 10 years or so after all of that business where everything seems quite stable. Okay. Um, Clarence, though, refuses to compromise in negotiations around the inheritance, um, and it really drags on. Um, Edward IV and Parliament all have to get involved to try and find a solution. Uh, In 1473, Richard brings Anne's mother out of sanctuary at last Mm. um, and into his own household, and Edward threatens to use Anne's mother to basically give all of the inheritance to Richard unless Clarence will come to the negotiating table. Say that again? So Anne's mother, technically, she's the Countess of Warwick in her own right. So actually, technically, a lot of these things they're fighting over belong to her. Mm. So basically, Richard takes her into his possession and Edward says, look, Clarence, if you don't come and agree to a compromise, then I'm just going to get her, I, Anne's mother, to make Anne her soul. What's the word? Air. Air. And you won't get anything. But if you come along now, we'll sort something out and you're going to be happy. Exactly. So that is what they do. It's finally agreed. Clarence will take the bulk of the estates in the Midlands, as well as the major titles like the Earl of Warwick and Salisbury, um, whereas Richard will take the Northern Territories. So it it ended up divided anyway. So Anne lost out. She should have just chosen the one she liked. Well, she wasn't going to get everything. She was never going to get everything. But the way that Clarence was trying to do it was to stop her marrying so that she doesn't get Mm. anything at all. So ultimately, it has worked out for her now. She yeah. does now, will be getting half that state. Those lands, etc., are going to her. So at 16 years old, to two Richards, uh, 20, Anne begins her second marriage as the Duchess of Gloucester. Nice. Uh, primarily based at uh, Middleham Castle in Yorkshire. Um, and her northern roots would have been key for Richard, being accepted as uh, effectively he rules northern England on Edward's mm. behalf. Um, and their status is further enhanced following the deaths of her sister Isabel in 1476 and then Clarence for treason in 1478. Done. Done. So at that point, they basically do get everything. He's a troublesome brother, that Clarence, isn't he? Yeah. You're not going to find many histories, I think, particularly Mm. sympathetic to him. Historians often suggest Richard grew disaffected with Edward's licentious court in this period, and particularly Elizabeth Woodville and her family, and thus they avoided court. Um, Actually, the evidence shows that he was present for all the major events you'd expect him to be present for, and probably he was just busy... You know, in the doing north, stuff, yeah. doing northern stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what Anne was up to as Duchess is unfortunately pretty much unknown. 
Because in 1472 to 83, she barely registers in the historical register at all. Mm. Um, it seems that she and Richard have a happy marriage. Even hostile chroniclers present theirs as being quite a close relationship. Uh, and there's no evidence of Richard being unfaithful to her nice. during their marriage. Nice. Uh, they had a son, Edward of Middleham. And so, you know, their future looks all pretty secure. They've got the north, loads of estates, got a son and heir. Everything's uh, pretty happy. Does he survive that heir? Well, we may oh, come yeah, on to yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to know you're engaged in the story. <laughs> yeah. If you just remember the structure of how this works. I know, but we're just having a chat. So I, yeah. <laughs> well, obviously, uh, things get complicated once again when on the uh, when in April 1483 Edward IV dies expectantly dies unexpectedly mm. uh, at just 40 years old leaving a 12 year old son uh, Edward V as king mm-hmm. Richard is thought to have been named Lord Protector and was urged by those in London who are hostile to the Queen and her relatives to make haste to the city to prevent the Woodvilles domina- dominating the Regency mm-hmm. uh, Richard takes possession of his nephew on the way south uh, and then Elizabeth Woodville went into sanctuary and as tensions escalated, Richard ultimately took possession of the second prince, who yep. was in sanctuary with her, found evidence that the marriage of Edward IV and Elizabeth Woodville was not valid, and consequently took the throne for himself. Mm-hmm. Anne doesn't travel to London with Richard mm. initially, but she does join him in June. Uh, she was most likely with him in their London residence of Baynard's Castle when he was presented with a petition calling for him to be the next king. And on the 26th of June, 1483, when Richard accepts, he becomes King Richard III, and Anne Neville finally becomes Queen of England. Yeah, amazing. Mm, so the second time of asking... Why second? Who was she was originally one? going to be Queen to Prince Edward, Margaret of Anjou's son. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's interestingly the first consort who was already married to the king before his accession since Eleanor of Castile for oh, Edward really? I in 1277. Huh. Wow. Um, and then the high point of Anne's life comes on the 6th of July of 1483 when she and Richard enjoy a joint coronation. Lovely. Indeed, the first one since Edward II and Isabella of France in 1308. What an occasion. Indeed, and it's, it's a great occasion because obviously Edward, everyone was already coming to London for the coronation of Edward V, so they were oh, yeah, already prepared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a surprise. <laughs> Wasn't it meant to be the young fella? <laughs> Just imagine these tiny crowns on top of his head. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of uh, novelty T-shirts with uh, <laughs> some wrinkles drawn on. <laughs> Uh, they processed together through London. Anne was attended by a great uh, train of ladies, amongst whom was uh, Margaret Beaufort. Why is that odd? Uh, well, she's the mother of the future Henry VII, who will, of course, overthrow Oh yeah, Richard III. Yeah, yeah. Anne walked barefoot into Westminster Abbey, wearing a rich coronet set with stones and pearls. Uh, according to one contemporary chronicler, this might have been, at one point, pretty much all she was wearing, for when they have the actual anointing, uh, Richard and Anne put off their robes and stood all naked from their waists upwards till the bishop had anointed them. Dirty old bishop. <laughs> I mean, why? That is just a bishop wanting to have a little... Uh, what do you want to do? I just need to anoint you. Up there. Look up there. <laughs> uh, typically for Anne and uh, our knowledge of her, the fact of it being a joint coronation... Hang on, sorry. From hmm. the waist up? Yes. They'd have seen his dodgy back. Yeah. Maybe he's like, don't, no, just focus on the tummy. Oh, we've unearthed some evidence there. <laughs> of something. Yeah. 
Uh, typically, Fran, the fact of it being a joint coronation actually means we've got less information for her than we might normally oh, yeah. expect because recent coronations of queens usually provide a bit of insight either into their personality or at least perceptions <coughs> of what their particular role as queen was going to be with all of these themed pageants. Hmm. But for Anne, because it's a joint coronation and also presumably because it was meant to be first with the fifth, yeah. they don't have any pageants. Yeah, and it's all going to be focused on Richard anyway. Mm. So she gets the big day in glory, but equally there isn't anything that's specific to her that we mm. might usually get. Yeah. Uh, the coronation is followed with a progress to northern England. Um, back at Warwick, they receive a delegation from Ferdinand and Isabella of Spain, mm. posing a uh, betrothal between their son Edward and one of the Infantas. Good match. Uh, they then move on to Coventry, Leicester and Nottingham before being joined by uh, their son, Edward of Middleham. And then they go into the city of York together where they are welcomed by cheering crowds. Yeah. Indeed, the welcome is so grand that Richard decided to have his son invested there and then as Prince of Wales. Gosh. Uh, after which they process through the city with Anne holding her son's hand uh, before a four-hour crown-wearing ceremony. <sighs> along with gorgeous and sumptuous feasts and banquets for the purpose of gaining the affections of the people. I'd have to have a sleep. Mm. <laughs> Wouldn't you? Mm. Oh, it's all that. This would prove to be a high point of the reign, unfortunately. Um, well, partly as a powerful indicator of how popular Richard, but maybe even particularly Anne, are in the north. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, it's also a high point because their fortunes took a decidedly downward turn thereafter. Mm. In April 1484, their son Edward suddenly died, aged about seven or eight. Horrible. Uh, he seems to have always been of delicate health, but his death was unexpected, and they were devastated by the news. Mm. Hearing the news of this at Nottingham, where they were residing, you might have seen his father and mother in a state almost bordering on madness by reason of their sudden grief. Yeah, I can understand that. Totally understandable. But that's also, a, from a hostile chronicler, that is also a oddly personal touch yeah. that again does demonstrate this relationship mm. between the two of them mm. that they are together and they are grieving together aside from a personal tragedy though it's also extremely damaging for richard's kingship because he no longer has an heir mm. and it's also unfortunately disastrous for anne she's only 28 at this point but edward is her only known pregnancy and she seems to have struggled with fertility issues that had plagued various neville women in recent generations oh right um, they seem to have continued trying for another child, but the only reason we know this is that in 1485, Richard was advised by doctors to stop attending the marriage bed on account of Anne's poor health. Oh, man. And this is a terrible humiliation for Anne, because obviously this is well known publicly, so it's a very public acknowledgement that she is basically finished as a queen. Oh, According to Hall's Chronicle, Richard complained to diverse noble men of the realm of the unfortunate sterility and barrenness of his wife. And there were rumours that Richard was seeking an annulment and even actively wishing her death. He'd have to as well, though, if he stole the crown. Yeah. Oh, he hasn't at this point. Well, you know he has, because he is King Richard Oh, III. yes, yeah, yeah. So, so for him to have only just really become a king and then his son dies, a lot of people will say, well, that's God's judgment. Yeah. So he needs a new child and is obviously they don't think Anne is going to be able to have one. Oh. So uh, Anne reportedly goes to him very pensive and sad and with many tears demanded of him what cause there was why he should determine her death. Here unto the Death? People are rumouring that he's actively hoping. Oh, right. 
Here unto the king, lest that he might seem hard-hearted if he would show his wa- unto his wife no sign of love, kissing her, made answer lovingly, and comforting her, bade her be of good cheer. So he just feel better. Mm. But uh, he does need an heir, and Anne is to suffer more humiliation at the Christmas court of 1484, where Richard is seen to pay rather undue attention to his niece, Elizabeth of York, daughter of King Edward IV and Elizabeth Woodville. It was said by many that the king was bent either on the anticipated death of the queen taking place or else by means of a divorce, for which he supposed he had quite sufficient grounds on contracting the marriage with the said Elizabeth. Oh, I don't like that. So, rumouring that he is going to either divorce or just wait for Anne to die and then marry his niece. Mm. Now, it's predominantly, apparently, Anne's support uh, and popularity in the North that puts a stop to this plan because um, some of Richard's most prominent supporters basically say to him, up with this we will not put. Mm. And he is forced to issue a public denial that he had considered the match at all. Gosh. He's a scandalous fellow, isn't he? <laughs> Doubtful that the public denial is particularly comforting for her. No. Um, but she is genuinely in uh, ill health. And uh, on the 16th of March, 1485, she dies at the age of just 29. While she's queen? Whilst queen. All right. Are you thinking of? <laughs> yeah, she's survived. Uh, although, obviously, literally hasn't. <laughs> <laughs> did well in death surviving uh there was a solar eclipse on the very day of her death which of course contemporaries assumed was uh, indicative of uh, ill tidings oh i was gonna say soul going to heaven or something oh no blocking no. out the sun um john rouse claimed that richard poisoned her while the crowland chronicle enigmatically concluded when reporting her death why enlarge what why enlarge as in there's no point mentioning anything? Why say more? I wink, wink. I think we can all join the dots here. Oh, why? I, well, some of us. I definitely <laughs> interpreted that as uh, why say more. She didn't do anything. Just dead now. <laughs> so I think you may have missed the meaning of what this was intended no. to convey. I withdraw the troops. I understand this completely. <laughs> These are two very hostile uh, chroniclers to Richard, uh, but the rumours were strong enough for Richard to issue a denial that he'd <laughs> killed his wife. Uh, and indeed, he sends Elizabeth of York away from court at this point, perhaps mm. because he thinks, look, you know, this looks bad. Mm. You need to go away now. Okay. Still, he only waited four days before sending an embassy to Portugal to negotiate a marriage to the king's sister. He hasn't divorced the other one yet. Well, she's dead. Oh. You can't go around forgetting those things, Graham. Well, Richard certainly doesn't. It's only a few days, and he's like, right, wife number two, please. Oh, waited four days. I thought for some reason she'd gone away, and he said, he'd patted her on the head and said, it's okay, I'd forgotten about the death bit. Gone away to heaven. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the eclipse and all that. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) She remember the star as her soul ascended. Historians, however, um, basically all believe and does die of natural causes, most likely tuberculosis, which um, killed her sister as Mm. well. Uh, but it's nevertheless a very sad end for Anne. Um, mm. John Rouse claimed that they were unhappily married, which does not seem to be true for the most part, but after her son's death, her final year as queen must have been pretty miserable, really. Yeah. Everyone's just waiting for her to die. Oh, that's horrid. Uh, she's buried in Westminster Abbey, mm. which is nice. Um, Richard's death at Bosworth a few months later means that no memorial was created for her. 
but that's presumably because he didn't have time to because he got killed rather than that he just didn't care Um, he was indeed said to have wept at her funeral yeah well yeah I suppose (laughs) I suppose it's something in those days Um, so not only has she forgotten there's a a reason to sort of erase her as well Mm. anyway that was the life and consortship of Anne Neville we will review her after a short break Battleliness. Well, it's never on the front lines of the Wars of the Roses. Anne was at times sort of front line adjacent. Oh, yeah, watching. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, so Warwick's wavering loyalty saw the family repeatedly flee across the channel to Calais. And we had that one stormy journey where ancestor gives yeah. birth and Anne is sort of on hand having to deal with that. Uh, she was effectively delivered to Margaret, Ange- Margaret of Anjou, who had basically been her enemy for the last 10 years. Yeah. Warwick's enemy, at least. Uh, married her son before enduring another stormy sea crossing, finds her all-powerful father is dead. Mm-hmm. Mother runs off to a sanctuary, and then she has to march off with the Lancastrian army um, before the Battle of Tewkesbury, where her husband is killed. All this before she's even turned 15. Uh, she showed greater agency in the drama that immediately followed Tewkesbury with her second marriage to Richard mm. Duke of Gloucester. Clarence um, obviously tries to prevent it. It's possible that he might have tried to sort of pack her off to a nunnery or something like that, or oh, maybe yeah. she, he tried to induce her to go. Mm. Um, if she did, if he did do that, then she evidently rejected that path. Mm. Um, and it's thought that she probably sought Richard out. She may even have been the one that sort of instigates the let's get married. It's a good idea, though, isn't it? Exactly. instincts. As you said, Richard is the only person powerful enough to challenge Clarence for the inheritance. Yeah. Given that, obviously, Edward IV is already married. Yeah, yeah. There's no one else who could marry her and stand a realistic chance of... Getting in his way. Getting in Clarence's way. Given everything she'd been been through up to this point, it would have been very understandable if she'd done, you know, what you always say, why don't you just take your money... Run. Happy retirement. Oh, yeah, all that, yeah. You know, Clarence could have said, here's a bunch of money, here's a bunch of land, mm. don't get married, just go and live in the country somewhere and stay out of my way. Yeah. She could have done that. Yeah. Didn't want to. No. Got back in the game, secured herself, new husband, new position. Well, did she? New, new husband, upgrade. Well, indeed, yeah, exactly. That's pretty good. It's a bit of agency, bit of fight. Yeah, I mean, that. it is just marrying... Richard, isn't it? Just marrying Richard and, you know, having to endure some tricky times. Very, very tricky times as a teenager. She goes through that and then still comes out of it. The timing, I suppose, is that she endured all of that as a young teenager and then is like, no, I'm going to marry Richard. So that shows a bit of spunk. But Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. She couldn't take her chips, could she? There was no... She didn't have any... Well, obviously we don't know, but I imagine if Clarence could have got away with giving her a bunch of money and an estate somewhere in return for all the other stuff i'm sure he would have offered that yeah true yeah that's good i think i feel like she didn't have much to do with it i reckon Mm. richard would have yeah i mean he's clearly the prime mover ultimately Mm. after the marriage it's pretty hard to find any evidence at all um certainly nothing that amounts to evidence of independent action or agency Mm. which suggests that her influence as queen was pretty negligible yeah i feel bad i want to give a low score but maybe that that's all she could do it's tricky isn't it? obviously having just done elizabeth woodville yeah margaret von before that it does feel rather less I, I mean it just is rather less isn't it <laughs> for, and for good reason <laughs> i feel like three is generous mm. 
three though. No two. Yeah, I think I'm going to go two as well. Yeah. There's a bit of agency, possibly. There's some endurance, but by even even those we're having to infer that rather than yeah. And she's agreeing to the result rather than perhaps instigating it. Mm. It's like right, you know you're going to marry Richard. Quick thought: How does this work for me? Yes, I am. <laughs> that's great. That's fine. Two points. So that's two from you, two for me, four for battliness. Scandal. Now, the fate of her mother, Lady Anne Beauchamp, does not uh, necessarily reflect very well on Anne Neville. Um, after Warwick's death, her mother went into sanctuary, um, but later petitions to return to normal life once things have settled down. But this was refused by Edward IV, um, and her lands all remain confiscated. Well, can I go back in? Can I rejoin the game with everything as it was? Definitely not. They're the rules of the game, aren't they? Uh, you he usually could... respect widows pretty much. Oh, right, you know. yes. Uh, she's brought to Middleham by Richard III in 1473, but if she thought this was some kind of rescue, she'd have been mistaken. It's all part of that conflict with Clarence over the inheritance. Uh, John Rouse describes her as being locked up by Richard and that this was partly at Anne's election or choice. Just to be free of Clarence? Just to get them, well, to get the money from the lands from Clarence. Yeah. So that there's a sense that they're not really serving her mother, they're serving themselves, and Anne knows this. Yeah. She's part of this. But the eventual settlement that is reached disinherits Anne's mother uh, with an act of Parliament stating that Richard and Clarence, I keep saying Clarence because that's his title, technically I should be saying Gloucester and Clarence or Richard and George. George, yeah. He's the Duke of yeah. Clarence. He's not actually called Clarence. Mm. Um, anyway, the Parliamentary Act states that they should possess and enjoy, in the right of their wives, all possessions belonging to the Countess as though she was naturally dead. Oh, my goodness. So they're just saying, look, legally you're dead, this is your will, and um, bye. Yes. Can they do that? I mean... It's not really very legal, but given that they are the king and the king's brothers, but they do do that. That's yeah. a hell of a precedent to set, though, that you can then just do that to anyone, kill them legally. Yes. Like in the na- in the eyes of the law, rather. Mm. Not, not dispatching them legally. Mm. They can do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can actually kill someone. Yeah, could we not just kill her? I'd feel, I know it sounds silly, but I would feel better if we did it by the book and just kill her. Yeah. That's what I mean. There's, there's, there's paperwork that already has the right headings for that. You know, <laughs> witchcraft, whatever. Chop a head off, results the same. It is much cleaner, isn't it, than having someone dead who's then wandering around buying vegetables. Mm. Uh, it doesn't reflect well on anyone involved, doesn't reflect well on Edward, doesn't reflect well on Richard, and she surely knows what's going on. It doesn't really reflect very well on Anne. No. Now, what becomes of this woman? She, uh, <laughs> Well, she outlives all of them. Does she? Good yeah. for her. The thing is, it's not her scandal. It's the complicity, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. But what could she really do? At least say something, I suppose. Mm. But she, she's so, she probably wouldn't have it recorded if she did. Mm. I mean, I'm in two minds. It's, if I give her scandal points, I think I should have given her more agency points. Mm. <laughs> it's worthy of scandal points, but you're not necessarily up the top of the charts with that. Yeah, and probably another three. Well, I've got a little bit more. Oh, okay, yeah. We might see a hint of scandal in her marriage to Richard, not Mm. for legally murdering her alive mother, but uh, for one thing, you might say it was undertaken with uh, undue haste. 
a mere eight months after the death of her first husband. And you're technically meant to be in mourning for a year. Right. Throw into the mix the fact that some accounts of her first husband's death suggest that Richard may even have killed him. Mm. So less than eight months after her husband dies, she marries the man that killed him. Mm. Not necessarily certain that that is what yeah. happened, but nevertheless, it's a and, little bit... You know. And not unknown. Mm. There's also a religious obstacle to the marriage, uh, namely that they are related within the prohibited degrees of consanguinity. Uh, so their first cousins once removed, so they're related in the second, third and fourth degrees. Uh, now, this is obviously incredibly common for noble families at the time. They're all basically descended from Edward III, and it's all very messy. You, you have to get papal dispensation. Right. It's a thing that happens. It's exactly the same, obviously, as Clarence, Richard's brother, and Isabel, and sister. Yeah. It's the same, oh yeah, the same level exactly of relationship. the same level of relationship, yeah. so they got dispensation, so, yeah. you know, it's fine. And the, the Pope did provide dispensation, but he only provided one dispensation. Now, the thing is, the fact that the siblings were married, i.e. Richard's brother and Anne's bro sister mm. were married to each other, technically means that Anne and Richard are considered to be brother and sister. Oh, because you, what, like brother and sister-in-law by marriage? Yeah, but in terms of all of this sort of stuff, that means they are considered brother and sister and thus related in the first degree. Because they're, they're not getting themselves out of a pickle, they're getting it further <laughs> into one. The Pope must be so bored of writing these letters. Hmm. Uh, but there's no evidence of a, po of a dispensation being received for this additional level of relationship. Um, maybe it was lost. Maybe it was received, but we don't have a copy anymore. Perhaps it was never sought. Because Richard may have thought, look, I'll get a dispensation, that'll all seem fine. I don't want to muddy the water by giving the Pope a real humdinger to think about. Plus, we'll recall that when he's thinking about how he's going to get out of his marriage to Anne in 1485, he seems pretty confident that he's going to get a dispensation, uh, an annulment quite easily. Oh, yeah. So maybe he's like, well, technically, we were never really legally married in the first place. I wasn't going to mention it when we had a son, but... Yeah, yeah. Now it seems quite opposite. So the only way to get round that is to have a joint wedding at the exact same time. You say, I do, at the same time. <laughs> so, oh, oh, uh, yeah. uh, I think. No, Sorry. no, it's exactly the same time. So a brother and sister-in-law at the same time that we were husband and wife, whatever that is. We have to say, though, the validity of the marriage was never questioned at the time, mm. even by Clarence, who assumed definitely would have made use of that if he'd mm -hmm. thought something was off. So it seems to be something which is a controversy or legal issue for historians, but wasn't ever discussed by right. contemporaries. Um, and, of course, you'd say, well, if it is scandalous, then it's probably Richard's rather than hers. Again, yeah. unless he was like, darling, technically we're not allowed to marry, but let's just not tell anyone. She's in the car again, isn't she? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> She's there with my brother. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other curious issue to speculate on, and once again with Anne Neville, it is speculating rather than having any direct evidence. Um, you wonder what she knew about what was going on in 1483 when we have the princes in the tower, Richard taking the throne. What's her relationship to them? Uh, well, there will be a direct relationship, but she is married to their uncle. So sort she's, of their, she's their aunt, aunt effectively, by marriage. effectively aunt. God, right. Now, not so much just focusing on that issue and the question of the princes in the tower, but the fact of Richard taking the throne. How much does she know about Richard's intentions? Because oh. one thing that's notable is that when Richard comes to London... And at this point, 
Edward IV has died in April. Edward V has to come from Ludlow, and the coronation is going to take place in May. But she doesn't go with Richard. And then when Richard gets to London, he says, I'm pushing the coronation back to June. So does the fact that she doesn't come with him indicate she knew that that coronation wasn't going to happen? Oh, right, she'd have missed it if she'd arrived and she only found out... Yeah, so if she had, if, she, if the coronation had taken place when it was meant to take place, she wouldn't have been in London. So she comes along later, does that indicate she knew that there wasn't going to be a coronation? Yeah, probably. Probably. I mean, doesn't it... They could send a rider or something, but also, before he left, he might have said, look, they're planning it for April. It's going to take me two weeks to get down there. <laughs> course, I'll push it back, you just come along in a month's time. It's possible he says that. It's also possible that he says, look, everyone's telling me that the Woodvilles are up to bad stuff. It might not be safe. Maybe you stay here with our son until I tell you that it's safe to come to London. Yeah. Or does he say, <laughs> I'm going to be the king and I've got a special plan. Here's what I'm going to do. You wait here and then let's go and take the city. Yeah, I think that's the least likely. Yeah, it probably is. <laughs> Probably it's unlikely that Richard was in any way scheming at this point. People debate the extent to which he does later and all that sort of stuff, mm. but it seems like at this point he wouldn't have thought he was about to become king. Because mm. mm. technically she does arrive in time for the postponed coronation. Mm. Yeah, I think that's fine. So that's uh, that's it, otherwise a scandal. We've got being nasty to her undead mother. <laughs> Legally killing her mother, or being complicit her in it. living mother. Mm. Oh yeah, her living mother. Uh, potentially partaking in an illegal marriage that might have been legal and no one seemed to mind, and coming a bit late to London, but that was actually in time. And what was the first bit that I got excited about and then he gave her a score? I said two or three. Or was that the previous one? The uh, killing her living mother. Oh, right. Oh, I'll stick with that then, three. Three. Yeah, I'm going to... I think it's maybe another two again, to be honest. I'm not sure it's that scandalous. And as I said, it is more, more Richard and Clarence and Edward just trying to figure out how to take other people's lands. And Unless you're just saying it's that complicity question. It's, yeah. Like you keep saying, she's in the car, she's not driving it. Yeah. So I'm going a two, you're going... I'll go a two. Two. That's another four. Scandal. Subjectivity. Not overflowing with evidence as ever, but uh, Anne does seem to have been religious and cultured. Oh, brilliant. Here we go. Uh, she was on good terms with her mother-in-law, Cecily Neville, and apparently spent time discussing religious works with her, such as Mechtilde of Hackborn's Book of Ghostly Grace. What else can you do, though? Uh, Anne was proud of her heritage. She signed herself as Anne Warwick in documents and commissioned uh, an illuminated biography of her maternal grandfather, the pageant of Richard Beauchamp, Earl of Warwick. Mm -hmm. uh, she also continued Elizabeth Woodville's patronage of Queen's College, Cambridge, and made a generous endowment in 1484. Good. Uh, now, key to her identity was her status as part of that northern nobility, the Neville family. Mm. Um, and it's likely that the records are only able to hint at her true prominence, but nevertheless, we do have little hints that we could infer something bigger. Uh, 1475, she sent a message to the city of York suggesting that she could deputise for Richard while he was campaigning in France with his brother. Well, that just gives you a little hint that probably she's doing quite a lot of stuff actually in the north. Richard mm. will be busy doing things. She may well deputise for him when he's not there. Mm. We just don't have evidence of it other than this particular letter. Yeah, 
Yeah, sounds likely if that's plausible. Mm. Independently of Richard, in 1476, she was inducted as a member of the Sisterhood of Durham Cathedral Priory. Mm. Uh, well, in 1477, she and Richard were both admitted to the Guild of Corpus Christi in York, although unfortunately they recorded them as the Duke of Gloucester and the Lady Elizabeth, his wife. Oh, dear. <laughs> they do mean her, even though they get the name wrong. Mm. Uh, she may also be involved with Richard in his efforts to uh, establish colleges at Barnard Castle, Durham and Middleham. Um, and Anne's popularity in the North was probably an essential part of Richard's ability to be successful as governor of the North during the reign of Edward IV and his continued popularity in the North as king, as we saw with that grand procession and his mm. son being uh, made Prince of Wales in York. Um, and indeed, it's notable that when there are those rumours about him planning to get rid of Anne and marry Elizabeth of York, it's the fact that the Northern uh, supporters of Richard say, we're not having this, yeah. suggests that actually part of the loyalty to Richard, however good a job he's done, may still be based on the fact that he's married to her. Mm-hmm. And they have a sense of loyalty to her. So yeah. she, you know, possibly actually is quite an important part of his time as Duke of Gloucester and indeed retaining that support in the North when he's king. They'll, I mean, they'll kick off, though, when, when he gets rid of her. Well, so he doesn't get rid of her. She just dies. Oh, yeah. Brilliant. Mm. Um, and so that, if you extrapolate from that, the fact that maybe she's actually much more active as Duchess of Gloucester than the evidence surviving indicates. But we're guessing, are we? Um, even by normal standards of a 15th century noblewoman, never mind queen, the lack of evidence is notable. She's not recorded as being present at a major state event, any major state events in Edward's reign, such as the reburial of the Duke of York, marriage of Prince Richard, the funeral of Princess Mary. Why? Well, we just don't know. The best case scenario is that she might have just been unlucky in a lot of the records where she is written down have just been lost. Um, brevity of Richard's kingship and, of course, her queenship means that she doesn't get appropriately commemorated doesn't have the children for people to then think, oh, we've got to write about old granny. Yeah, where they come from. Yeah. yeah. So it's not really in anybody's interest to bother to write about her. Yeah. Or, alternatively, she simply wasn't there and she doesn't deserve the points anyway. Yeah, the worst case scenario is that she just doesn't have any influence. Basically, Richard subsumes her lands and estates and doesn't give her any personal autonomy and consequently she mm. doesn't have any influence. That's what I think, personally. You're going with another yeah. two? Yeah, yeah. it's hard to make much of it. I'm sort of tempted to go after three just because, you know, we've got, uh, you know, she commissions a book. Oh, well, that should say more stuff about her, but it's about her dad, isn't it? Her yeah, grandfather. grandfather. Yeah. Uh, even like the um, John Rouse, who's a historian of the Earls of Warwick, but because the her mother is the one that's actually got that title and it, mm. that's why the Earl of Warwick is the Earl because of marrying Anne's mother. Uh, consequently, even the historian of the Earls of Warwick doesn't really have an affinity to her because he's more supportive of the mother. She needs a, a commission of history of herself, like Emma. Hmm. So, you know, she does get this, gets a book out, helps Queen's College. She does a bit of stuff in the North. I'm, I'm going to give her um, a, a mark for inferred action that's lost to history and give her a three. Okay. If uh, if nothing else, just to get us away from four. Oh, really? Which yeah, with all the other ones. So, far, yeah. so a two from you, a three for me, that's five for subjectivity. Longevity. Anne was Queen Consort from the 26th of June, 1483, to the 16th of March, 1485. I forget that it is actually a couple of years of his reign. Mm. 1.75 years for Anne. Uh, 
which gives her a score of 2.5. 50th overall. And the shortest reign we've had since 1066. Not good. Dynasty, not the programme. Well, she has one child by Richard, but sadly he predeceases them both, meaning Mm. that uh, she doesn't have any surviving children, and so it's a score of zero. At joint 42nd overall, Mm. with all the other ones who don't uh, have any surviving children, uh, that means that she has a total score of just 15.5. God, that is very poor. That puts her 32nd out of the 36th that we've done thus far. Really? But it's not all about the score. Does she have that certain something, that uh, lasting legacy, the great achievement, a star quality that we call... Rex Factor! I mean, it's definitely not, but I'm surprised she's the bottom. Isn't there... Wasn't there anyone worse than her? No, 32nd out of uh, 36. Oh, right. And it's interesting, I mean, one. I guess the weird thing with her, she does pack a lot into her short life. If we reduce it to bullet points, she's married twice... Once to the Lancastrian Prince of Wales, then to the last Plantagenet monarch, who is Richard III, yeah. one of the most famous, if not the most famous, you know, yeah. with Henry VIII uh, and Elizabeth I, probably the most famous monarch in English history. She's at the centre of some of the stuff, the twos and fro's of the Wars of the Roses. Um, we said previously how Elizabeth Woodville is the first English consort since Eldgith of Mercia. But weirdly, Anne is perhaps the closer match, because we know very, very little about Eldgith of Mercia, and yet she was originally married to uh, the only King of Wales. Oh, yeah. And then marries Harold Godwinson, the last of the Saxons. Mm. So Anne Neville married to the Prince of Wales, last Plantagenet. Eldgith married to the last King of Wales, the last last Saxon. And both very short uh, queenships, and we know very little about them. And yet you think, if you were writing historical fiction, you think, wow, I mean, this is somebody who technically lived was at the centre of some incredible events and there's no historical facts to get in my way. Yeah. But she's yeah, very much between not... the lines of history. Yeah. Feels more like a pawn than a queen. Oh, very nice. Mm. Uh, I fear it's got to be a no for Anne Neville. Yeah. Correspondence Corner. So that's the life and consortship of Anne Neville. She does not have the Rex Factor. Let us know what you thought about her. We're going to do a writer-reply episode at the end of uh, this mini-series. So uh, if you're up to date and want to disagree or correct us or chip in on anything, then let us know. Uh, We'll be recording that after our Elizabeth of York episode. Uh, But if you're listening at a later date, still message in and we'll uh, read out those messages at a later time. Uh, and you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at RexFactorPod, like the RexFactor Podcast Facebook page, and email RexFactorPodcast at hotmail.com. And remember to send in your hashtag consort cards for an episode image of Anne Neville. Just in the background, lingering in the backseat of the car. Backseat of the car with her undead living mother. and <laughs> Yeah. Uh, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can leave a review and subscribe on whatever podcast provider you use or donate monthly, join the Privy Council and get access to over 100 bonus episodes. Uh, you can sign up at patreon.com forward slash rexfactor. And we've got some new Privy Councillors to welcome today. L.A. Hale, Ariella, Becky L.K., Fiona Waters, Jenny Buckley, Sarah Traum, Amanda Taylor Chison, Nick Basto, Kate Houston, Michelle Blom, Jack Stones, Caitlin. Rita Jackson, Jimmy Nimmin, Guy Lawful, Lucy Welton, Sarah Conrath, Chris Hassler, <laughs> Carsten Svenston, actor, uh, Courtney M. Anderson, Fairy Rose, David Nolan, Heather Wentworth, Joseph Maltby, and Cynthia A. Gray. Uh, and we'll finish with the consort limerick from Louise Brown. Oh, fabulous. <clears throat> Hit me. This one's for Catherine of Valois. <laughs> 
Don't know who she is. Which one? Oh, we'll find out. When her butler stripped off in the brine, Queen Catherine cried, isn't he fine? <laughs> the two were soon wed, and this later led to an unlikely new royal line. Oh, she's the Welsh fellow. Marries the Welsh fellow, starts off the Judas. Oh, brilliant. There you go. As that- ever. Very helpful. Thank you. Thank you, Louise. Uh, so that is it for us today, and that's it for Anne Neville. Next time we'll be doing the last of the Yorkist consorts, Elizabeth of York. Cheerio! Cheerio!